Turn those dials, calibrate those sensors, and don't forget, you've got to hit 88 miles an hour. Welcome to Breaking the Space-Time Continuum. I'm Claire Beck, your resident sci-fi and time travel nerd. This is a podcast about time travel and how it's represented in books, movies, TV shows, games, and more. Every week we'll talk about the plots, the tropes, the intrigue, and what has made us obsessed with the idea of traveling through time over the past hundreds of years. I'm glad you're here. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Space-Time Continuum. I'm your host, Claire Beck, your resident sci-fi nerd. And today I have brought another one of my favorite movies. I have a lot of great memories watching this movie. Me and my dad used to watch it all the time, actually. It's called Source Code, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, released in 2011. I feel like I don't hear a lot of people talking about this movie now, but it actually did pretty well at the box office. It got really good reviews. The budget was around $31 million and it made $147 million at the theaters, which is great for a movie of this size, especially a niche genre like time travel. Uh, because yeah, this movie is about time travel. Of course it is. We wouldn't be talking about it if it weren't. <laughs> but this movie is pretty interesting. It uses time travel in a way that I haven't really seen done a lot. Um, and I know I said that about the last one. I said that about the last movie we watched. But I mean, I'm picking these movies for a reason. Like they're all doing something really unique. So if you missed the last episode, we talked about the movie Frequency, which is like a really crazy time travel movie where a father and his son from the future uh, talk to each other through a ham radio. That movie was crazy. And if you haven't seen that episode, do check it out if you love time travel stories and uh, heartwarming family bonding movies, because that movie is both of those things. But today we're talking about Source Code. Source Code is officially described as a science fiction action thriller film. And I would say that's pretty accurate. The pacing of this movie is fast paced. I mean, it is really freaking fast. You have to like keep up with it. This is a movie that demands your attention every single second that it's on screen because it's always trying to get you to figure out something. You know, this is the kind of movie where for a good chunk of it, you're kind of left in the dark about what's going on. Half of this movie is just trying to like pick up the pieces um, of the plot and trying to figure out what happens. There's like kind of like a mystery element to this. It starts as a cold open. The movie starts with our main character, Jake Gyllenhaal, who's playing a U.S. Army captain named Coulter Stevens. We start the movie with him on a train. When the movie starts, he looks like very disoriented and confused, and he's acting like he doesn't know any of the people around him. He doesn't even know the girl that he's with. The girl that's sitting across from him and like trying to make conversation with him and he's like i have no idea who you are like who like who are all these people where am i why am i on this train and so immediately the the viewer is like okay what the hell's wrong with this guy like why does he not know where he is and eventually 
um, Jake Gyllenhaal gets up from his seat on the train to go to the bathroom on the train and he looks at himself in the mirror and it's a different guy. It's a different guy in the mirror. So Jake Gyllenhaal perceives himself to be Jake Gyllenhaal, his character, Coulter Stevens, but everyone else sees him as this other guy. And then he looks and he grabs his wallet from his pocket and it's got the ID card of a different guy, some guy named Sean Fentress. So everyone else is seeing Sean Fentress's body and hearing Sean Fentress's voice. But Coulter Stevens is like almost kind of trapped in his body. Like everyone's perceiving him as this other guy, but, but he knows that he's another different guy. And so he's he spends some time on this train, like disoriented and trying to gather his bearings. And then like the train blows up. There's a bomb on the train and it blows up and everyone perishes, including our main character. Our main character dies like 10 minutes into the movie. But here's the thing. There's a reason why this is a time travel movie. It's because Coulter Stevens suddenly wakes back up on the train. He's alive again. And then the bomb blows up and then he dies again. And then he wakes up and then he's alive again. So it's throughout the course of the movie, it's revealed that he is participating in a time machine, time travel sequence, like orchestrated by the U.S. government and the U.S. military. And he is replaying these eight minutes over and over and over again. Um, and he gets to replay these eight minutes over and over and over again so he can find out where the bomb is on the train and also who created the bomb. And, you know, the reason for the whole body swap thing is that our main character, the U.S. Army Captain Coulter Stevens, he died in Afghanistan. But his, like, brain map and, like, you know, the structure of his brain was, like, the most similar to a passenger on the train who died named Sean Fentress. So the U.S. military and the U.S. government using their time machine technology, which they call source code, this is the name of the movie, they're able to, like, tap Coulter Stevens's brain into the brain of Sean Fentress. For some reason, it's, like, technology mumbo-jumbo, like, you don't really have to understand the specifics of how it works. You just have to understand that Coulter Stevens is getting sent into the body of a passenger on a train that blew up. The train's already blew up. Everyone already died on that train. The train is gone. But he gets a chance to relive the eight minutes of this random guy who died on the train. He gets to like, be him and he gets to like walk around and like look for clues and like talk to people so you can find out who set up the bomb on the train. And it's established in the movie that you cannot change the future using this time travel technology. You're only like a spectator. So whatever Coulter Stevens does with his eight minutes, like even if he managed, manages to get every single passenger off the train before it blows up, it like doesn't matter because he's not actually like affecting the true reality. He's just like becoming like a spectator of what happened in the past. But whatever he does doesn't change the future because it's like a parallel reality or something. I think it's time for our techno babble segment. So techno babble is anytime a sci-fi movie just starts rambling and spouting nonsense with big words and like scientific words that like don't really mean anything. They love to do that. So we're going to count how many times this movie does that to try and explain how their version of time travel works. What, what is the source code? It's a uh, quantum mechanics, parabolic calculus. It's, uh, it's, it's very complicated. Try me. Uh, when a light bulb's turned off, there's an afterglow, a lingering halo-like effect. Have you seen it? Brain is like that. 
Its electromagnetic field remains charged just briefly, even after death. Circuits remain open. Now, there's another peculiarity about the brain. It contains a short-term memory tract that's approximately eight minutes long. Now, in combining these two phenomena, circuitry that remains viable post-mortem and a memory bank that goes back eight minutes, source code enables us to capitalize on the overlap. I know, quantum physics, pure ball calculus. Source code is not time travel. Rather, source code is time reassignment. It gives us access to a parallel reality. Okay, I think we're done with that. So there's actually not a lot of techno babble in this movie, which is kind of nice. I mean, it's just telling the viewer like, hey, don't think about it too hard. Just hear the rules we're presenting with you and just like roll with it, which is kind of how I like my time travel movies. I don't really want like hard scientific rules. Um, I just want the narrative to tell the story that it's trying to tell. So throughout the course of this movie, like our main character, Coulter Stevens, is really struggling with this whole concept about his actions not being able to affect the future. So the reason they care so much about this random train that blew up, even though like it's already blown up, like the reason they care so much about it is because they have like intel that whoever bombed the train is going to like bomb another place. Like the bomb train was just like a warning and like that his next bomb is going to be like in like a major population center. So like he's going to like kill a lot more people. So they're like, okay, well, if we can find out who set the bomb on the train using our time travel technology, we'll be able to stop this other bomb in the future and save like a whole bunch of different lives, a whole bunch of new lives that have yet to be lost. Uh, the, the people who died on the train are like already gone. They're already dead. We don't, like they don't care about their lives. They just want the information, the information of who set the bomb up. And throughout the course of the movie, our main character, Coulter Stevens, is really struggling with this idea that his actions can't affect the future. He like grows a very close bond with this girl that's always next to him on the train. And like he really cares about the lives of all the people on the train. Um, but you know, his like supervisor, like the military people who have been talking to him throughout the, the course of this mission, they're like, no, 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 like you can't save them. Like they're, they're in like an alternate world. Like they're not part of our main reality. Like you can't sit, you can't affect their lives. Like in, in the main timeline, they're already dead. And Coulter Stevens is like, no, no, like there has to be a way. There has to be a way. And so eventually towards the end of the movie, he finds the bomber through a lot of trial and error, a lot of repeating the same eight minutes over and over and over again. He finds the bomber of the train. He identifies him. He gets the bomber's license plate number. He steals the bomber's ID. And he relates all of that information to the military personnel who are like spectating this entire mission. And then they use that information to track the guy in the real world. So they find the bomber and they actually stop him before he can set off his like major population destroying bomb so the mission is a success i mean like everyone's celebrating in the command center it's like nasa when they successfully launch a, a shuttle like the whole room like erupts into cheer like papers flying everywhere and they're like oh my god we did it like our our time travel technology has the ability to to save lives and they're super happy and so it, it's time for, for Coulter Stevens to basically like cease existing because his body in the real world is like on life support. Like remember, he died in Afghanistan, but they kept like his brain because like his neural interface or whatever, like 
matched one of the passengers on the train. So like, he's just like a head in the real world. So they're like, okay, we're going to finally let you die so you can pass away in peace. But Coulter Stevens is like, but like, he's like, wait, 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 wait. Before you do that, like, send me in one more time. I'm going to save like every passenger on the train. And they're like, it's not going to work, dude. Like, they're only going to be safe for those eight minutes. Like, they're not going to be alive in the real world. And he's like, just, he's like, just trust me, just trust me. And they're like, okay, fine. So they send him back in for one final eight minute cycle. So he does the same thing again. He stops the bomb. He disarms the bomb. He saves the, he saves everyone. He gets everyone off the train and he's ready for like his existence to basically stop once his eight minutes are up because that's what happens every time in every cycle. Even if he doesn't die, the cycle ends because he only gets eight minutes. But for some reason, his cycle like doesn't end. Like his life like continues. Like he like it, it's like nine minutes and then 10 minutes and 11 minutes. And he's like, oh, my God, it, it, I'm still alive. So for reasons the movie doesn't explain, he gets to exist in this like parallel reality with all the people on the train alive and his new girlfriend on the train is alive. And so he just gets to exist there um, in like this alternate reality forever. And he just gets to live a happy life. And and that's it. That's how the movie ends. Like he just gets to live. Um, the movie doesn't explain why or how or or anything like that. But it's cool. Like it's really cool. Like this this soldier who like thought he was dead and thought he he had no chance left to live suddenly gets a new shot at life basically and it's pretty darn cool so in a nutshell that is source code i highly recommend watching this movie you can stream it on hpl max um it's pretty short only an hour and a half um so if you love time travel movies if you love fast-paced thrillers with mystery and intrigue, definitely give it a shot. You won't regret it. Thanks for joining us this week on Breaking the Space-Time Continuum. I'm Claire Beck and I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And you can follow the show on social media. I'd love to see your comments, and please feel free to leave suggestions for other media you'd like to hear on the show. See you next week on Breaking the Space-Time Continuum.